You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. You know, uh, I don't know why that guy just keeps coming in and uh, stealing, stealing our thunder. Um, but, hey, Lad. Yes, sir. We have a great guest today. We do. Yeah, and it's the first time that we haven't had um, an ex-felon on the show. But, um, you know, everybody knows me and Lad are ex- ex-felons and dumbasses uh, from way back that have turned our lives around. And uh, the cool thing about our guest here... His name is Garrett Gwynn, and um, there's a lot of cool things because he does some really cool videos. I particularly like the uh, Trailblazer videos. I, I'm a big <laughs> fan of the Blazers. Some of the some of the videos go back uh, to Clyde Drexler days and stuff like that. I know that um, you weren't taking the video in those days, but you edited and created a, a video from those old, old um, that old footage. So. Uh, Garrett Gwynn. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. So uh, the reason that you're not an ex-felon and you're on our show is that you have done some interesting things with one of our guests, for example, um, one of our previous guests, Noah Schultz. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe your background and how you got into this? Absolutely. So uh, you guys met Noah, and he was on the show. And, Great guy. Um, yeah, he has quite the story that, um, you know, a few years ago, a group of filmmakers uh, and myself uh, got to know him and realized that, that this was a story worth, you know, getting out there and, and uh, you know, needed to be told through what we felt like a documentary could, could do justice. So... Uh, it's been a few years now. Uh, the documentary is complete. Uh, we, we uh, you know, followed Noah throughout the last year of his sentence when he was at a transitional facility down in Florence, Oregon, and documented sort of his transition back into society uh, in October of 2016. Uh, it's crazy. It's been that long already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like yesterday. But, uh, you know, and, and he is someone that outside of you know, a work project. He's someone that uh, has inspired me in many different ways. Um, you know, he's just such a lovable guy and really changed uh, my own perceptions. Uh, the title of the documentary is Perception. Uh, you know, he's, he's changed the way that, uh, you know, myself and the rest of the film crew really looks at uh, the, the topic of, you know, how we treat ex-cons and, and uh, you know, it's, it's been a pretty transformative experience. That's cool. How, um, you know, that's the thing about this, about how people feel about ex-felons. Um, it's, it's totally understandable why people feel that way. Uh, and in truth, each ex-felon has something to prove when they get out. And uh, they should really be working on that way ahead of the time they get out. And Noah's a great example of that. Um, what, who is we you guys, mm-hmm. who is that, and what actually, what was the process that got this going? Sure. So our executive producer, uh, Joey Jenkins, uh, is, has been volunteering uh, at McLaren Youth Correctional Facility um, for, I think, a, a few years now. That's where he met Noah. Uh, he was the one who I think sort of f- saw the potential of 
you know, this story being pretty inspirational and, and being um, something that could change lives if we told it the right way. So he and Noah started working together and they formed uh, groups within McLaren to, to try and get other guys on board to, um, to really take advantage of programs. Um, it's a great thing about McLaren Youth Correctional Facility is they offer a lot of programs, workshops, um, you know, anything from yoga to beating classes to... Yeah, um, Noah became a, a certified instructor yeah, in yoga, I believe. Yeah. yeah, so he, you know, he took advantage of that, um, and, and Joey saw the potential there. Um, so, so Joey kind of spearheaded this and brought, uh, brought uh, you know, a friend of his, uh, our fantastic director, Jonathan Reed, on board. Um, Joey's brother, uh, Will Cuddy, was our creative producer. Um, so they kind of assembled... And um, and uh, Will Cuddy was was a friend of mine at the time, and so they brought me on board. So I was kind of the last piece of the puzzle in terms of the uh, essential crew. Mm-hmm. They were looking for an additional uh, video shooter and editor. Yeah. So I eventually became the uh, director of photography and the uh, full full editor for the film. Uh, it was a huge task, uh, you know, tons of tons of hours, uh, late nights. Um, you know, and this was a passion project. You know, yeah. when we started out with this, there was those are the best there was, kinds. There was little to no budget, and and we made it work, and uh, it was all worth it. That's cool. I uh, I love the turnaround stories, inspirational uh, stories like that, and I'm looking forward to seeing that video or that documentary. Now, um, how can people, real quick, how can people uh, get a, get get to that um, trailer? So yeah, can, well, and then, and then how can they watch the video? Definitely. So we, um, you know, obviously social media, um, we're predominantly uh, on Facebook, um, you know, have a really great following there. People like to chime in. Noah does those live videos, you know, a couple times a week, keeps people engaged. Um, so following our Facebook page is going to be huge. Uh, Perception Documentary, you can find us there. And um, all the trailers and videos are, are uh, on that. And uh, so we went through a pretty extensive film festival run where um, sort of one of the main things uh, with film festivals is they don't want um, the, the documentary to be available to watch online. Mm-hmm. So we kept it you know, from, from being uh, available to stream for several months. Uh, we had a very successful film festival run, um, and now, uh, just about a month ago, we released the documentary on uh, Vimeo. So through our Facebook page, you can uh, very easily find the Vimeo link and I think for purchase, it's uh, I think it's like four ninety nine to watch the full forty minute documentary. Uh, and so far, reception's been wonderful. Um, you know, I I have no doubt that you know this documentary uh, will change lives, has changed lives, um, and change people's perceptions what they think. Great. Do we have? Uh, are we ready to play a sample yet? Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, the first uh, first couple clips we have here is. Um, are pulled from the straight from the documentary. Um, I think they're about 60 seconds apiece, and um, just sort of um, give everyone an idea of uh, what we're what we're putting out. Great. I ended up turning myself in. Walked up to the barricade. I called my brother and told him I was like hide some of my stuff, you know. I remember being so scared because I had guns in the house. My dad had been to prison. He had a record, and if you've been to prison, you can't have guns around you. And I was more concerned that my dad was gonna get in trouble for that and then anything. So I ended up turning myself in that night and they interrogated me and then they dropped me off at the, the juvenile detention center. There's a lot of bitterness there. 
you're handled all wrong. A lot of nights of crying myself to sleep because that's not the life you want for your son. More than anything, I was done. I was done running. I was done with everything around me. And maybe I seen it as my way out. say about uh we'll get, you know you did a couple of years of this right a year and a half is what it took to put this together yeah just about okay so can you give us any stories about about what happened um like maybe your first your first impression when you got there yeah yeah well i mean i won't beat around the bush you know i grew up on the right side of portland you know i'm very privileged growing up this this idea of prison of of mistakes being made at a young age and and these um, long sentences for kids that are, you know, not even adults yet. Um, you know, this was this was something that was completely out of my radar my entire life. And so, you know, the first time going to McLaren was a bit of was a bit of a shock. Um, you know, it wasn't the it wasn't the um, quintessential painting of a prison in my mind. You know, it wasn't it wasn't full on cells and and everybody's wearing orange jumpsuits and you know it was it was um it was interesting and and to see you know even in such a place to see a group of guys you know we we went in that first day and uh, our executive producer Joey Jenkins had a had a session um with some of the guys that he mentors and um it was fascinating to see i mean these guys are normal i mean it was there was um there was nothing off about these guys other than, you know, they're confined, right? But they were still hungry for knowledge. They were still, um, you know, laughing and joking with each other. And um, it was it was a um, it was a really nice way to sort of um, segue myself into this story. It's funny. Uh, just about anybody can get in trouble, and youngsters especially. I mean, it's very easy to fall into a trap that. Um, that you don't see coming and you know uh, that's pretty much I believe what happened to Noah and happened to a lot of youngsters they you know they made mistakes that's mm -hmm. all it is they're really not that much different than other people maybe you know some of them are even brilliant like like Noah um, and they just put their energy into the wrong place and so it's it's not it's kind of surprising for people who've never seen it before. But I I'm very uh, familiar with people turning their lives around because really they're just good people waiting to happen. You know? Yeah. Can you uh, tell us any more about you know, like other stories that might have happened uh, while you were there? Oh, let me think here. I mean, let's see. I guess you know by the time. Noah had gotten to the transitional facility down in Florence. Um, he was there, I think, the last year and a half uh, to two years of his sentence. And seeing the environment there that, you know, having this place had a community garden and, you know, a large place for them to play soccer. And it was really, really, I mean, after, especially towards the end of the project, where, you know, really advocating through this documentary that, there be programs and um, different, you know, training opportunities and, and education in general. Just, yeah. 
you know, things for it's these so guys big. to latch on to. Um, and, and actually seeing this facility that, in my opinion, does it, you know, really, really well, mm. it was it was really good to see that, uh, you know, and I think I think it should be uh, inspiration for other facilities. You know, I mean, Noah is an advocate for that, that, that he had these opportunities, um, but it's not like that at every facility. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for it, too. I had real, um, I was fortunate to be able to get into a computer-aided drafting program. I mm-hmm. didn't I didn't know a, a computer from a hole in the ground, but mm-hmm. uh, I did after a couple of months. And, you know, once I learned how to use it, I it blew me away the power that I had, you know, and it was pure, you know, good power for for good and uh that was the beginning of my my transformation too you know um and and then they took the program away after i was successful at it i um i became a uh, tutor and a project drafter and i enjoyed every second of it um yeah you know for the first time in my life i was free and uh ironically i was in prison so uh, anyway, um, you know, I know this is a little bit over your head right now, lad. It is, but, it is. But, way you know, over. See what you can do. I, I can see you have something burning in you. Well, you know, first of all, I, I personally want to thank you for doing that. Because, you know, I've worked with Dave for many years, and Dave is just an advocate for that. You know, we used to go into uh, to McLaren uh, for Project Pooch. Are mm-hmm. you familiar with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So we used to go in there, and, and you know, the impact that that Dave had on those young men is, it, you know, you don't see it till years later, but, you know, someone like Noah and whatever. But, um, so you're telling me that, that, you know, you're privileged. You obviously you've been to college. Yep. Um, so here's Noah in prison, taking advantage of everything that he can get his hands on to get you know, an education. How impressive was that to you? How far he came through that system was able and, to use and what a lesson is that but yeah 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 no what a lesson is i mean that. as i said look i i am extremely fortunate had amazing um parents and support my entire life um and you know worked hard college degree everything else um pretty cookie cutter uh but i i've always followed what i love to do and you know and that was always film video uh, now currently working for the Blazers, doing it, uh, editing work. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I and, saw all that Blazer stuff. Yeah, but and and it's been and it's been a lot of fun and yeah, hard work. Um, that being said, for someone like Noah, you know, to have a rough upbringing, to to grow up in you know a part of Portland that was really rough, um, seeing the adversity that he was able to to push through, and then not only that, but being at rock bottom, starting with a clean slate, you know, at 17 years old in McLaren, you know, what he was able to overcome and the obstacles he was able to just blow right through, I mean, it's, yeah, it's inspiring. Well, it starts out, I believe, with humility, um, acceptance, the, you know, waving the white flag and and just saying, look, I need, I'm, I'm not right. I need to fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we, I think happened with Noah. Everything that I've seen that I know about Noah um, follows the principles that I've learned myself uh, as an ex-felon. And it could be a lot of other people, you know, many people. The same principles apply. Um, you, you become teachable uh, by becoming humble. 
and uh, realizing that this is who you are and you're no more, no less, but you're fine, you know. Uh, and then, you're, then you can just move forward. And I know that Noah said something um, that I have always, that I have always, you know, known was a huge part of my experience. And that is adversity is an asset. Uh, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to keep having it. I mean, it's not an asset that you just continue, continue to have. For, it's, it's having had adversity and experienced it and, um, and overcoming it. That is an asset, and uh, so that that's been my my great experience in life. And oh, I wanted to mention that I, I'm kind of a broken record about this point, but um, you know, people Noah's a great example of someone who realized that he needed to start right now, not when he gets out of prison, not halfway through, but right, the, you know, right when he was capable when he had the mind ready to go and open, that's when you do it. You don't sit around in prison playing cards, uh, you know, talking smack all the time, you know, doing whatever. What did we used to do when we weren't doing something good? I don't know, I don't know what we did, but it was... Play music. Yeah, well, music's, music's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you have to start working. I, I really believe that a person has to start working right now. And, uh, you know, the first thing that does is it teaches you accountability. Uh, you become accountable to yourself and, and to others, which is necessary uh, for success. And then you become employable and you also become, you could become um, perfect for starting your own business. So these are crucial uh, things that I want people to remember. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to change your life. And it's fun. It can be a lot of fun. Well, you know, um, with uh, with Noah and him getting out and you doing a video of him, um, were you able to take that video back into the to the institution where he was at and show some of the other guys mm -hmm. there what, what was happening and, and, and what he's accomplished? Absolutely. Yeah. So they don't have to pay four ninety nine, no way. No. 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 Um, in fact, we uh, I think shortly after. Um, you know, kind of right in the middle of our film festival run, uh, you know, Noah uh, had just gotten back from his, you know, cross-country tour of the document, you know, taking the documentary, uh, you know, uh, across the country. He got back and uh, took the film back to McLaren, and they did a screening, and, you know, the guys loved it. And a lot of those guys were in the film, you know, mm -hmm. guys that uh, that I got to know through three or four, you know, three or four filming sessions, and did they um, sign autographs for the other? Men? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were they they loved it. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely, it's it's been seen, and and uh, um, yeah, we're just trying to get it out there. And and as I stated earlier, you know, um, it's great for the guys at McLaren and and Florence to see this <laughs> film, but um, you know, frankly, the the there's other facilities uh, in Oregon and just across the country that could learn from places like McLaren and, and uh, you know, the Oregon Youth Authority does a fantastic job of offering these programs because it's not commonplace right. um, and it needs to be. It should be but throughout the state, uh, everywhere, you know, in the country. There's a lot of great programs around the country, but it's sort of hit and miss. Mm -hmm. um, you know, why don't, when something's successful, why isn't it just, you know, everywhere, <laughs> you know, so, right. uh, I mean, that's, I'm another advocate for that. and. 
Uh, so, do we have another clip that might be uh, might help us? Yeah, I think our, our next clip is going to be um, you know Noah was uh, waiting for his sentence and just sort of this limbo period of you know what's going to happen. He's been he's been arrested and he's awaiting uh, to hear what his sentence is going to be. So that's great. To be honest, I I had no idea what what my future was going to be at that point. 17, I, I couldn't imagine who I'd be today. It was just so foreign and just so outlandish to think of 24. Waiting for that sentence is so stressful. It is so stressful. And I was just over, I was over fighting. I was just giving my sentence and let me move on. And I remember sitting in my cell and they called me over the intercom. And I thought they were calling me for a shower. They told me I had a phone call. So I went up and I got on the phone and everything. And it was my attorney and my attorney told me in this defeated voice, Noah, I just got off the phone with the DA. I told him what had went on and the DA said, there were shots fired. Why would I want to give this kid anything under 90 months? Good point, Noah. Good point. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if you know um, that Dave had a video um, made for him years ago. And uh, so we know the power of a video, and, and, and it can tell a story We had reenactments, too. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Lad was one of my victims. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. In the reenactment. An extra, yeah. extra on the set. <laughs> he also was one of my crime partners. <laughs> In the same video. In the same video. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, we know, you know, from, from what, uh, you know, Dave's not one of those kind of guys that likes to do a canned speech. So, you know, and Dave spoke at a lot of juvenile facilities, you know, through, uh, you know, when the bakery was up and running. And and um, so and, what, what... McLaren he, was one of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. McLaren and, and a bunch of different places. But he had this 13-minute video. Mm -hmm. He would show the video. And it was basically, you know, Dave from the beginning to where he'd, what he'd accomplished up to that point. And a lot of videos, you know, that he... The news and a whole bunch of stuff in between. And it was super effective. So, you know, when I hear that you guys are doing this for Noah... And the it's people gonna, that it's going to reach, it's just, you know, it's just so cool. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you guys, you know, saying that. And, you know, when Noah, when Noah uh, got to McLaren, you know, he was inspired by, I think he, he says about 5% of the guys at McLaren were just on the next level and had this sort of sense of enlightenment and, um, you know, thrived on the programs that they offered. And he latched on to that. Five percent of guys. I remember him saying that. Yeah. And if and if through this documentary, if through Noah's outreach, we can make that number more like fifty percent. Yeah, that's the ultimate. Goal. That's the hope. Yeah, that, that is. I the hope. mean, uh, every percent makes a difference. That's, yeah. that's basically one or two, five, ten, twenty people. Yeah. You know, um, I remember at the beginning of my outreach, I, I put my story on the back of the bag. I talked about my adversity, and I talked about the you know finally figuring it out. You know. And how, um, you know, really it's, it's the journey. You got to learn to enjoy the journey. And you, you look at those, those guys who are enjoying the journey and it's inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've, my personal thing was I always wanted to see results of the things that I was doing now, you know, the outreach I was doing and the story being out there. And it took me a lot of years, but I finally was able to look back and talk to people and say, well, you know, it made a difference. And that's such a satisfying feeling. I, 
I don't know if I raised anything from five to fifty percent, <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully I hopefully I got a tick or two. But see here, you know, another thing with your video is that you know, and, and something that Dave's talked about before, and I and we've discussed is that we see the programs inside of prisons and juvenile facilities getting cut all the time. So when you do a video like that and show the success of of one of the one of the guys in there taking advantage of what they do have it opens doors for them to maybe bring more stuff in for these guys to do and so that's mm-hmm. appreciated as well success just a little bit of success as goes along you know yeah we one of the things that we need um to to have this movement if you will this movement of uh of believing in second chances uh, to make this go forward and be more powerful, you need successful success stories, mm-hmm. and that is. Uh, in order to do that, you have to make these programs have to be successful, um, and people have to inspire each other. And uh, you know, it, it can be, I believe, exponential. Absolutely. Well, you know, like Noah, you know, I mean, he was in there taking advantage of the education that was in there. And when, when he would get to another level and there was no place further for him to go, somehow some other doors were open. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to get a little bit more education in there because of what he was doing. And your video, that illustrates that. And so hopefully, you know, people will hear that, the people who can bring those type of things into the into the juvenile system and it'll it'll bring it up to another level the clip was great in that um it talks it's basically it was a shock moment at the same time it was a shock moment for noah but really he had to be sort of expecting that you know and and the the da made a pretty good point that uh you know shots were fired uh that's a big deal yeah and um it really, when you think about it, if he'd have gotten a year or two, it may not have really been hit him hard enough for him to say, hey, look, I got to change something. Um, but getting the amount of time that he got was actually, if anything, probably the right thing. And I am not an advocate for, you know, mandatory minimums being kind of spread out to basically there's no leeway for a judge or mm-hmm. to to make a uh, to, to to make a decision that goes beyond a mandatory um, I'm not I'm an advocate for that but I know that when people get that kind of time I had a measure 11 sentence uh, lad did 20 years um, you know these this these kinds of adversity change people if they're gonna change you one way or the other but uh, if you got the right mindset, they change you profoundly for the better. And that's that's a big deal. Well, you know, Dave, I don't know if I ever told you this before, but uh, when I was at OSCI years ago, uh, me and my friends had written some Christian songs. You know, I started going to church when I was in there. And this guy from one of the local radio stations was able to come in and record some of our songs and put them on the radio. And he did a little interview with us, and it's right along the same lines of what you're saying is he asked me, he says, well, how long do you have to do? And I said, well, you know, 20 years. And he says, well, why do you think God allowed that to happen? And I was like, wow, never thought of it that way. But my answer was this. God knew me, and he knew my heart, and he knew that it would take 20 years to change me into the man that I should be so that I could get out and not ever go back. In fact, uh, it changed you into a man, period. That's right. Yeah. 
so. Well, that whole thing changed you into a woman. So that, I that's am a one good of the thing. biggest, handsomest women you've ever seen. That's what I'm talking. <laughs> about. I, I got a I got a woman's face for radio is what I got. So uh, okay, do you want to tell us a little bit? What is your what was your impression of that clip? Uh, well, in terms of what you guys were just saying, and and almost sort of, you know, the the prison sentences and and um, you know. It actually kind of ties into our next clip um, that Noah, I'll sort of let him speak for himself, but, you know, shortly after getting to McLaren and, and sort of gathering his thoughts, he he made it to this place mentally where uh, he embraced his sentence and he was ready to just tackle it. That's what and, it takes. Yeah. So I'll let him uh, speak man for himself. Up, man up. By the time they get to McLaren, their self-image is so damaged that now you're really having to start brick by brick and building that up. Ending up in prison was a good thing for me at that time. And taking a step back from the whole gang thing, mainly because my life was so out of control that this oddly added some stability to my life. At some point along the way, he must have made a decision that he was going to push through his fears. He was always very present. You could just see him light up when he learned something. And then it was like he would sort of flex his muscles, so to speak. So that was the voice of uh, Deborah Romarin. She was a volunteer and mentor to a lot of the guys in uh, McLaren. Um, I think just uh, a few years before we started doing the documentary, um, but she's a wonderful gal and and she knows Noah and and knew him sort of in that transition period where he was at rock bottom and so she saw the transformation, um, which was something that you know we were late for in the documentary, but and we sort of had to you know retell through um, old footage and stuff like that. But she was a great great person to interview because she she was there watching him. Uh, Blossom. Phenomenal. Uh, a phenomenal transformation. And um, wow, I just, uh, I love to see it. I really do. <laughs> um, so this this lady, I was going to ask you who she was. Um, and there are, that's that's one of the cool things. I mean, we need we need people like her. We need people that, are, that will support, uh, that, that have open hearts. Mm -hmm. and, but they're not enablers. You know, you don't want people to enable you to continue to be a jackass, <laughs> you know, because uh, you will. I mean, if it's too easy to be one, you'll be one forever, um, I believe. Instant gratification. I talked this, about this with Noah. Um, about, you know, he, he, he learned about thinking errors. He learned that what we have is uh, everybody has them. It's pretty hard to completely rid yourself of thinking errors. I, get, I guess that would be something called uh, or akin to enlightenment. Uh, if you don't no longer think anything uh, that gets you off track or, or puts you down the wrong you know road, um, that was a huge deal for for him and for all of us. Uh, and then he, he learned a lot of basically it's cognitive restructuring. And these programs, if uh, embraced by these guys, can be can be amazing. Um, if you're in there. If you're someone in prison and 
or in general in life, and you go, well, you know, cool, cool, but that's a bunch of bullshit because, <laughs> um, you know, that's what they want me to do. They want to change me. <laughs> that's what you need to do. You need to change. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, people like Deborah, people like uh, Kathleen Fullerton uh, with uh, Hope Partnership, they do a lot of work at McLaren. Uh, people like our executive producer, Joey Jenkins, um, you know, and the work he does, uh, it's it's invaluable to these guys. And when they can really um, latch on and connect with people, and it's not just, um, you know, as you say, uh, it's not, they're not just doing what they're told, you know, this is active you know, positive reinforcement. Um, yeah, and I and I think it ties in with what you were saying about the you know the cognitive restructuring and and really um, you know changing the way you think uh, and act and feel and um, looking at things with a more positive light. And and Noah, you know, he is an he is an amazing example, and he's worth you know talking about and mentioning and doing an, an entire documentary on. But. Um, you know, he's he's certainly not the only one. And we see that um, even in the documentary. You know, some of these guys are just as successful, just as driven. You know, their ambitions may not be, well, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to get two college degrees. And, you know, Noah's sort of this freak of nature. <laughs> but a lot of these guys... Overachiever. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Kathleen Fullerton uh, from Hope Partnership, she says it in the documentary. I think it's a really powerful line that, you know, a lot of these guys are on the same track as uh, Noah. And to them, you know, a lot of them, if getting out and getting a job and starting a family and, and just finding that, that, you know, stability, you know, finding that for them, then that means, you know, they're just as successful as Noah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I've it's all about how you feel. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a lot of success stories. Sometimes success doesn't stick. Um, sometimes we, you know, Maybe not the first, second, or third time even, but, you know, having a little bit of success and understanding success mentally, you know, where you're overcoming uh, your old ways of thinking and your old habits and stuff. Uh, you know, I've had my, my falls, you know, um, well, basically one major fall. And fortunately, I was able to kind of get perspective again and start climbing my way up out of the hole. Um, we... We tend to judge people, and, and I've been judged a lot, so I I try to be open-minded about people. It um, doesn't really matter what somebody did. It, I mean, it, and it does on, from the sense of you don't want, you don't, you don't want certain people around your kids or something, right? But to be, to not forgive and give someone a chance is, is not right. I, I think almost everyone deserves a second chance, uh, but they have to do the work mm. to make them ready to do that. Um, yeah, that, you know, one of the main takeaways for me with this documentary uh, was a line from uh, Noah's dad, Jim, uh, who also served uh, the same amount of time that Noah did, you know, when Jim was... Measure 11? Um, I think this may have been before mm. uh, that time, but he, he served seven and a half years, um, uh, you know, around the same age that Noah was. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, it's this heartbreaking moment in the documentary where his dad talks about that, like that's something to relate about, you know, is, is that we both had the same same sentence, essentially. Um, but, you know, he what he says towards the end of the documentary is, is having these concerns as Noah's getting out, you know, this common um, belief that, you know, once a con, always a con. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, this heartbreaking uh, feeling that he has, you know, that, that even with all of the success that Noah was able to accomplish while he was inside, you know, the world is tough. And, and you know, in his dad's eyes, he talks about it as if, you know, um, that, you know, the outside world is almost rougher than prison when, when you're just getting out. Well, I think that's a, such a good point. Um, one of the things about that I remember from my, my own experience was that I would have been willing to dig ditches and clean toilets if, if necessary. Mm. And you, I believe that that's, that's an attitude that you can, um, if you see that in someone, they become uh, someone that you can have on your team and they can work their way up, but they have to have that humility to start with to show, you know, because honestly, we, we're the ones who fucked up. Um, <laughs> society may have had something to do with it, but you can't blame anybody. Once you stop blaming, which Noah and others have done, you stop blaming, making excuses. Wow, that's powerful. Because then you're the one that has the power to change. You're the one that had the power to fuck your life up, and you're also the one that has the power to make a difference in your life and then uh, in the world. Lad, you look completely dumbfounded. Is, are these words a little big for you? Um, a couple of them were. So I'm asking uh, all on our uh, our guy in here to uh, translate them for me. So I'm good though. You want me to translate them to Japanese? Or? <laughs> um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> to uh, 33 IQ. That's what you want to do. You know, Garrett, uh, uh, getting back to um, about the people that um, you were able to work with, obviously, to get into both McLaren and, and the facility over in Florence. Um, was there any, was, did you guys have any problem getting in there or were they just willing to work with you and get, it, get you in there? You know, we had we had almost no issues with those with those facilities. Um, you know, I can't say enough about McLaren um, in terms of in terms of access, in terms of uh, you know letting us letting us come and and just do our thing. Um, they were they were extremely supportive, um, and I think a lot of that, frankly, came from seeing you know that this was this was for Noah, and I think in a lot of ways they since since they knew exactly who we were dealing with and what this was for, um, I think that his, you know, overall just light on the world was able to get our foot in the door and, and really made a big difference. Cool. Yeah, that, um, it's amazing. You know, again, it, it really is about how you start to pro approach life as taking the power uh, to do good and no longer blaming um, and you know being this this jackass uh, I imagine that no one ever went to the hole because he started really early I mean the hole being segregation um, his behavior was probably you know exemplary um, or at least he didn't get caught in any of his <laughs> little things he was doing no. uh, but you know his behavior was great and that's what you have to do you know even if you're faking it till you make it. I mean, if you don't feel 100% like this is what you want to do. Um, the beginning of it is, is surrender, surrender to, to the opportunity. Um, do we have any more clips? Uh, I th you know, I think the only, the last clip we would have kind of takes us back to the beginning, and we can go ahead and play it, but um, uh, Noah's best friend growing up uh, was in the gang, uh, Gaetano. He's... You know, never never served time, but in his own right, you know, 
had his own transformation when, I know when this Noah, guy. yeah, mm-hmm. when Noah was inside. Uh, extremely nice guy, and he, towards the beginning of the documentary, we felt like, um, um, you know, we, we essentially asked him to take us around the neighborhood where they were getting into all this trouble. Mm-hmm. And so he's, you know, we're standing on the street corner where they would, you know, go out and, and you know, do their morning routines and stuff like that. And and I feel like Guy does a really good job of sort of painting the picture of, of their uh, upbringing. Cool. So when I was 12 years old, that's when I started selling drugs. And I was having meth addicts buy me 40 ounces. And I was drinking 40s, falling off my bike, riding home from the park. And I think for a lot of teenagers, once you hit that age, you want to become your own self. And I just started gravitating away from my family and didn't really feel like I, I fit with them. I know things at the house were still crazy and I ended up finding a group of people who were kind of like me. Me and Noah, when we were young, we'd always tell people we were cousins. Every one of us was from a broken home. Everybody came from something. None of us had nothing. We didn't really have families like that. And so that's why we, we became that family. That's why it was family kings. And you saw I say that family first. You're a king second, family first. Just like Noah, he's got his own personality. I actually, uh, those guys started, have uh, started their own clothing company, and I, I bought a jacket that I really like from them. Nice. Uh, I really, you know, everybody check out. I want everybody to check that out. Kind um, of can't remember where where to go, but uh, forgotten culture. Forgotten is, culture. Yeah, is the name. Right. I should be, uh, remember that. Yeah, yeah. No, they. Uh, um, guy's an amazing, amazing guy, and um, you know he was, he was. Uh, oh wow, yeah, lad has got the shirt on right there. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't say enough about Guy and and the support, and you know that's just to me that's, you know the definition of true friendship and brotherhood. I mean those two are like, you know two peas in a pod, man. Yeah, they're it's really cool to see. I've spent some time with those guys, and you know I was. Every minute of that was high energy, and I mm. loved it. Um, now, you know, maybe let's talk a little bit about business, because this show tends to be about business. And maybe we'll just touch a little bit on your how you do business, um, how how you market, and what your marketing plans are for this uh, video, mm-hmm. and say anything else that you do. I'm, I'm kind of curious how your business works. Yeah. So I graduated from the U of O uh, 2015, and uh, yeah, go ducks! So yay ducks! Uh, I was very, very uh, fortunate, and, um, and and lucky to land uh, an internship with the Portland Trailblazers straight out of college. So I grew up in Portland, went down to Eugene for school, and came straight back. I That's love it. serious adversity right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I I love the city, and uh, you know wanted to stick around. So um, working for the Blazers was was an ideal gig um and i've been doing work with them ever since past uh, three seasons now been doing video work and at this point mostly editing uh, highlight videos uh, and then in the meantime when i can make things work I, i'll go out and shoot uh, free you know videos for clients um, you know freelance work whatever i can kind of supplement uh, with the blazers and then the big thing for me and, and i'm you know i never want to forget this is projects like perception yeah. I've always tried to maintain, like, a side project, a passion project, 
that I may not be getting paid for. It might not be, you know, helping pay the bills, but it's what I truly, truly want to do in this life is tell people stories, you know. With the success, you will get paid, though, right? I mean, uh, you get a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when, once we kind of made it to a point in the documentary where we were getting funding and, you know, our executive producer, Joey Jenkins, saw the hours I was putting Who into this. Who is this guy, jo- Joey Jenkins? Joey Jenkins. He, he um, is a life coach. He's a mentor. Um, he started doing work in the facilities, I want to say, um, you know, in the last uh, four to five years. And he himself has been, has been a pretty uh, huge inspiration in my life, uh, just getting to know him the past few years through this documentary and seeing the impact he has and just his sheer work ethic. I mean, this guy's got three kids, you know, um, you know, his entrepreneurial um, background. He's working, seems like, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks sometimes. I mean, he is a hard worker, um, but extremely happy guy. Uh, and, I, and I really get the sense that he um, gets a lot out of what he does. And he feels he feels that. So amazing guy. And he gives back. Yeah. Giving back is, whew, it's so cool. I mean, it, it, it's there's, it's selfish if you ask me. I, I get so much out of giving back. Uh, it's all about choosing the right uh, vehicle for doing that. And for me, it's, um, I like to do things where I can lend my experience. I got some hella, hella experience from all different angles, so why not um, do it in that vein? Um, Actually, I, I talked to you after the um, off the air about um, if you have any time for some video work. But uh-huh. uh, now we can also talk a little bit about um, what do you know about Noah's work? I mean, his business. Well, I know you know this Forgotten Culture clothing line is big. I mean, that's kind of his. You know, ever since I've known him, that's been kind of his passion project and his um, go-to for a creative outlet. And him and Guy work tirelessly, you know, and they're working really hard to get this thing going. I have no doubt in my mind that they'll be successful with it. Mm. Um, so just seeing that is inspiring in its own right. And, you know, just seeing people thrive in whether it's music or, um, you know, graphic design or video work, you know, seeing seeing people thrive on creativity, Passion. you know, it really... I mean, it's just a natural high in every sense, um, yeah. and I and they're feeling it for sure. That's great. So, yeah. well, you know, Dave, you, you probably forgot, you know, that this guy works for the Blazers. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe that, that there's that. A, there's some tickets, you know, available <laughs> or something like that. You know? Yeah, I I have a, I'm real um, selective about tickets. I, if I'm not on the floor, I'd rather watch it at home. Yeah, I can see the game really really well just at home sitting there. And uh, so Lad just needs to shut the hell up. But uh, no, Lad would probably take tickets. Uh, you know, actually, I went to I went to the only game I've been to this year. I was on the floor. It was a great, great, great seats. And the Blazers lost at the buzzer to the Clippers. Oh, then, then I walked out with my date. I walked out, and uh, my car, brand new car, Tesla, had been uh, I. I I left it with the valet, and I came back, and the thing was wrecked. <laughs> no kidding. Brand new, uh, Brand five new. days old or something. Oh my gosh! And 
And uh, so, yeah, Blazers haven't been too good to me this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't speak for that. I don't I don't work in the uh, valet department. Yeah, but, or uh, probably the ticket department either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, no, that was, and they lost. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it, was, it was a rough night. Yeah, that was. I was at that game with a friend, and, man, I, I both teams played hard. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I think it was Blake Griffin drained, yeah. drained that three right yeah. at the last second. and. Rough game, you know. Oh, the Blazers man. have a tendency to to lose a few in that fashion, you know. Um, they that's, do. But but well, you know that I makes think them. A lot of teams do. It's just that we're sensitive to the Blazers, you know. Oh, yeah. We see them all the time. Uh, other teams do too. Blazers are doing pretty good this year. Yeah. You know. Um, well, they're, they're, it's an exciting team to watch, and you know, uh, it's these close games. I'd rather I'd rather see the Blazers, you know, lose and at, at a buzzer beater shot than just get totally. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. annihilated, annihilated oh, twenty points. You know, yeah, that's so, happened too. Yeah, they they they're doing really well this year, and it's a good group. You know, I um, you know, when I was a kid growing up, it was it was uh, you know, the Jailblazers, and uh, it was kind of tough to root for. You know, and even that term now is kind of an outdated, you know, sort of uh, not not the most Jailblazers. Uh, yeah, yeah, not not the kindest way to remember um, that era. But uh, that's kind of BS. You yeah, know? I mean, people. I mean, I'm not judging any, any of those guys. You know, I, I know what can happen to people. You get a little success, too, and, uh, you know, stuff happens. It can happen whether you're successful or not. Yeah. And uh, having the right attitude is what people need. Absolutely. So my question is this. Now that you're finished with this documentary with Noah, mm. uh, do you have plans to do another one with any of the other uh, guys yeah, there? Yeah, so... That's something that you know, as we're kind of winding down on on the uh, on the the marketing of this film, and you know, it's out there for for the masses to see on on Vimeo and online. Um, we're Is sort there of, a website for this video? Yeah. So our the official website for the documentary, outside of social media, is uh, perceptiondoc.com. Mm. Uh, so people can find trailers and links um, to everything they'd need uh, there, and. Um, so now that things are kind of winding down with with this project in particular, I mean, we're still pushing um, to try and get this thing on Netflix. We're still pushing to to get as many people to watch this as possible. Um, you know, I think for Noah to um, try and continue getting interviews. I mean, there was something that we talked about early on in this project that he's such a character, he's such a delight to have, and he's so confident uh, in the way he speaks that you know, there's no reason why he couldn't get on. You know. Ellen or, you know, any of these talk shows that to really give him a platform. So I think there's still a lot going on, even though this project is done. I think there's still still um, things to, to try and accomplish. And, and uh, you know, this this has the potential of being um, even bigger than it is now. But to answer your question, you know, I'm kind of in between projects, I guess. You know, this was such a massive undertaking. Um, and things have just started uh, started winding down with the film festivals, which was my main, um, you know, my main deal. I was applying to, I think we applied to about 70 film festivals, you know, writing cover letters for all of those, getting, um, you know, getting everything strategized. Um, you know, the entire crew went up to Anchorage, Alaska a few months ago um, to attend the Anchorage International Fil- Film Festival. So that was a big undertaking and uh, on my shoulders. And... Now I'm just kind of taking a deep breath. Yeah, uh, yeah just sort of. Yeah, just sort of, um, you know, getting through the rest of the, uh, the the rest of the Blazer season. And I'd love to start brainstorming and and um, 
you know, we've, we've talked as a crew about this idea of perception being a series and, mm. and finding individuals like mm. Noah yeah. and, and telling other people's stories and, and making this more of an ongoing thing that, uh, that you could sort of tune into. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm. I like that a lot. You just said the same thing as me. I know you don't. <laughs> because we think the same. No, we don't. We're weird. Don't say that. To me. And uh, speaking of yeah, speaking of film festivals, um, one other, uh, the next one coming up is going to be in Chicago. I think it's actually next weekend, uh, the uh, Peace on Earth Film Festival. And they asked Noah. Uh, they loved the documentary. Uh, and they reached out to us, and uh, Noah's going to fly out and be the uh, keynote speaker for the first night. So he's he's going to go up and and share his story and you know I hope he does some spoken word poetry and really engages the audience you know transitioning right into the film so and he's always wanted to go to Chicago he's never been that was a big uh, a big stop on his list and he's going man, man. I'm excited good for, for him. him yeah good for him that dude is something else uh, but see that you know anybody anybody can do something great I believe that I mean if I can have the kind of good fortune that I've had after being such a numbnuts for 38 years. Um, Anybody can do it, and they can do it at any time. Grandma Moses, does anybody remember Grandma Moses? Probably not. You guys aren't old enough. (laughs) Grandma Moses, at the ripe old age of 400 or something, uh, started painting and uh, became successful painter. I mean, it's just one of many examples. I I think when I think of uh, inspiration, I like to think of people like, um, you know, I was on MySpace before Facebook. When I got out of prison and um, I was at the farmer's market, you know, meeting all these people and I loved it so much. I was like, how can I bottle this? I mean, how can I make this happen on a bigger scale? And Facebook came along. But first it was MySpace. And I had a little MySpace profile, and I was telling my story on there, and this lady wrote me a, a, you know, a message saying, man, your, your, your story is so inspiring. I, I really look up to you, what you've done, and all these great things. And so I looked up her profile, and guess what? She was, she was this lady who is quadriplegic and uh, paints with her mouth. And I'm like, I inspire that, you know? How do I inspire you? Um, so, I mean, that, that is the thing. We, we all um, can have adversity. You know, we don't all have to have adversity. Some people, fortunately, don't have to have that. But that's, that's fine, too. You know, it's all different ways that we find our way in life. Um, I think uh, Alan, uh, you know, just having a face like that probably was, had, you know, experienced some adversity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just guessing. It's been a struggle. <laughs> well, you know, the least you could have done is um, went and posed nude for that girl so she could paint a portrait of you. You know what I mean? You never offered yourself like that or what? What's going on? <laughs> Where's uh, the humanitarian in you? Yeah, that, yeah. Would, that, would, that sounds like sexual harassment these days. Uh, you, don't, you don't mess around like that. Even mentioning something like that would, would, might get me in trouble. You're always posing nude in front of me. I mean, what's the difference? God damn! Just because you always try to come in when I'm taking a shower, I don't. I don't get it, dude. Anyway, what a weirdo. <laughs> so, what else do we have? We're gonna wrap this up, man. What? How? How cool has this been? Um, our first non-ex felon guest, 
I, I didn't know I, um, I was ever going to, you know, meet somebody who wasn't an ex-felon on this show. And, uh, but then, no, it's been really great. And what a talented guy. I, um, I appreciate it. And I, yeah, I'm Garrett Gwynn. Honored to be on the show, guys. Thanks for having me. Garrett Gwynn has his own uh, website, GarrettGwynn.com. Yeah, um, check it out. He's not the only Garrett Gwynn in the world, but <laughs> he was fortunate enough to get his own website named oh, yeah. after him. <laughs> so please visit that because there's some really cool stuff there. And I think that's about the end of the show. Um, boy, everybody, you know... You gotta think up some. You gotta think up some kind of some little, kind of a little thing every, yeah. that you can end with each. Yeah, day. I mean, we'll, I, maybe we'll work on a little that. Little saying, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. the whoop-de-doo. Yeah, yeah. real soft. And uh, that's all you gotta hear of Lad. You know, this week is <laughs> all the punishment I got for you. That's it. Anyway, that's we'll keep practicing until we get something. <laughs> You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Make great things happen and get shit done. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.